0: Hello and good morning, everyone. Welcome to our bi-weekly uh, Exponential webcast on the nuts and bolts of church planting that's hosted by uh, Passion for Planting. I'm uh, your guest host for the morning. Uh, Sean and Patrick are both doing some travel, so uh, they asked me to step in. My name is Joel Pesmino. I'm a church planter in Washington, D.C., but I was also one of the very first alumni of the Passion for Planting Residency Program. So I got, got to, you know, be kind of like the guinea pig as they were like developing all their stuff and for better words, here I am. And uh, they asked me today to fill in for them. Uh, for today's webcast, we have a very uh, special guest. I'm welcoming uh, Jeff Reed. Uh, Jeff Reed is a director for digital church planting at stadia most importantly he is the one person in the western hemisphere who doesn't like baby yoda and we'll be talking a lot about that during our webinar and how that has to do with his theology and everything else in his life um but 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 before we actually uh, jump jo- jo- jump into that i just want to welcome jeff um uh, when uh Passion for Planting approached me to this webinar and said, hey, you can have any guest to talk about any topic. Who, who would you like to have? And I said, well, actually, I met this guy, Jeff, a couple weeks ago at a Zoom pastors hangout. And I think that a lot of the stuff that he's doing around digital church planting is fascinating. And I, I think it's a topic that we've talked a lot about in terms of like big church, how big churches had, you know, done the pivot to digital. But I, I actually think that Church planting This is also particularly important because it has like a whole different set of challenges and, and, and different approaches that to consider. And, and the one person that's looking at that day in, day out, talking to church planters, seeing what's working, what's not working is Jeff. Yeah. So with that, uh, Jeff, a welcome to our webcast. Thank you so much for being with us today.
1: Hey, it's 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 great to be here. And uh, so everybody else leaves town, and and somehow I show up and I get the third class guy coming in. Exactly. I mean, gonna, that's that's we're pretty. We're gonna much take it shots was. on Baby Yoda. Like, well, let's much. just gloves yeah, off yeah. and let's go to town. yeah. Next week
0: they're gonna have Cari Newhoff talking about some fancy things. So yeah,
1: awesome. Yeah. So Carrie you know, doesn't carry's <laughs> not interested in me. So we'll we'll get the uh, the, the planner. That's no, awesome. Yeah. Hey, thanks, Joel. Look, loved hanging out with you a couple weeks ago. Looking forward to this conversation.
0: Yeah. So I mean, uh, before before we actually go into the questions, I want to ask you. Uh, like if you had talked, told me 10, 20 years ago, there's a guy on, on a large national church planting organization that focuses on digital church planting, I would have thought you had two heads. So uh, how did you get into this? What's your passion for it? Like, what, what's your story and how you got involved with, with digital ministry?
1: Yeah, that, that's, that's awesome. The irony of 20 years ago. 20 years ago, I, I graduated from college, uh, TCU, degree with radio, TV, film. Uh, and so I, I had this, I've always had this passion to help churches understand technology and, and better utilize it. And, and coming out, college degree, December 1999, trying to figure out what's next after, after Y2K, I, I started championing this idea with churches about utilizing digital community and putting churches in digital community. And, and you know what happened in, in the year 2000? No churches cared. None of them. I'm not surprised. Any, I mean, and yeah, right. It's just, this is like before, uh, before social media, before Facebook, before MySpace, before smartphones, before webcams. Yeah, this is like the uh, AOL age, right? Yeah, it, it, a little, little past AOL, more like the Netscape. Gotcha, Google gotcha. wasn't a thing. It was AltaVista. Netscape yeah. was, was definitely the browser of choice. And, and so, like, but just on, honestly, I, I started a com In the com era, it was called eBeliever.com. And mm. so created this this digital community, web-based. The first online Bible study I taught was uh, in the summer of the year 2000. I took 75 people around the planet through the book of James. Uh, And so we would have discussions via a discussion board, similar to like a Facebook uh, post, uh, where we would talk about chapters of James or ask questions and we went through, I don't know, probably like an eight to 10 week study during the summer of 2000. I don't know where United Arab Emirates is, I'm gonna open confession here. Uh, But I had three people from the UAE in this Bible study. So it was global reach, it was highly successful. Uh, and, and so we ran ebeliever.com for a, a, a number of years and ended up selling it off to somebody else, and and it's and it's doing its thing now. But so way back in 2000, I've just had this passion to do things, uh, to do church in digital space, and to help the physical church understand how to utilize digital for for ministry. And, and so through different businesses, I've run three or four businesses in in the past 20 years, 15 years church staff experience, everything from production to Director of Creative Communications, Weekend Experience, Digital Strategist, Digital Pastor—like it's—it's all been centered around helping churches uh, understand how to better utilize digital. And, and it culminated for me December twenty-eight, or excuse me, summer twenty eighteen. I stepped out of a church staff position uh, and basically started my my fourth business now. It's called um, the Church Dot Digital, where we create resources, blogs, blogs, podcasts. Um, video streams, and to help churches understand how to be fidgetal, how to be physical and digital together, Uh, but then also at the same time, how to plant digital-only expressions of church. Never heard of Stadia, uh, really, uh, until October 2019, Uh, and and I get this call from Greg Nettle, president of Stadia, out of the blue. He's like, Jeff, you don't know who I am. Uh, I'm not sure if you really know who Stadia is, but we want you to fly out to meet with us in Colorado. Uh, this was this was 2019. We want to meet with you in Colorado and we'll talk about what a digital only expression of church could look like. In, in a flyout for this meeting, there's CEOs of Fortune 500 companies in, in this meeting. There's there's church leaders, there's industry leaders, marketplace leaders, there's digital pastors. I, I am by far not the smartest person in the room. And, and, and I just, I listened to the three days of how collectively we all had this vision for what a digital-only church could look like, what a church with no physical footprint, no building could be, what the strengths of it could be. And it was awesome. It was an incredible three days. And at the end of it, I, I looked at Greg Nettle, president of Stadia, and I said, hey, you should hire me to be your director of digital church planting so that I can execute on everything you just said, what we said here in the session. And Greg looked at me and said, we wanna hire you to be the director of digital church planning to execute on all this. (laughs) And so, yeah, 20 years ago, nobody thought it was valid. Even up until, even, you know, all this was pre-COVID in 2019 with Stadia. My first first week was in January, 2020, two months before COVID actually hit. Oh, there was interest in it, but obviously as a result of the global pandemic, you know, I'm, I'm coming out of this maybe looking like Noah a little bit here saying, hey, the storm is coming, the storm is coming for this season. And and now, you know, churches are being very reactionary, trying to, to get it back up. And now, now, hey, it's post-COVID, we're going back to the building. What's the role of this? What's the strength of digital in, in, in this new era that we're in, in this new culture, shifted culture that we live in today? So yeah, lots of opportunities and lots of crazy thoughts, uh, but love working with an organization like Stadia in helping established churches, church plants, physical churches, digital churches, all understand how to do digital better for their use case.
0: That's an incredible story, man, because I'm I'm listening to you say, like, no, and I was actually thinking about the story of Joseph telling the dream of like, you know, the, 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 the famine that is coming and telling the Pharaoh, hey, this is what you should do. And Pharaoh, actually, I'm going to them, I hire you to, to run it. It's like exactly like that. It's a fascinating story. Well, I mean, you mentioned COVID and I guess that's kind of like the, the big pivot point in digital in the world really right and we've been like a year into this and you know now that you know with with vaccines out and most places kind of like the restrictions have been lifted so things are very 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 much more uh going back to whatever semblance of normal we have now i'm particularly an urban setting so even here in the city you're starting to see, see churches go back to it but You were very early on working on on this. And I remember uh, a Facebook group that you started called the the Church Digital, right? That's kind of like this thing got going. I remember like following and looking at it and getting ideas for for our own church. So, I mean, the whole year working with Stadia, working with church planters, uh, could you share with us some of the things that you've seen? Like, Are, are, are there some stories about how you've seen, particularly church plants? Can we have church planters uh, listening to this conversation of how some church planters embrace it during COVID and, and what types of results, what types of stories have you seen come out of that?
1: Yeah. I, 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 digital is a tool. And, and we got to realize that digital has a tool that can reach a billion people. But digital is also the tool that can fine-tune and allow for a hyper-focus, a hyper-local, hyper-individual focus with an individual. Joel, you're in Washington, D.C. I'm in Miami, Florida. You and I are having a face-to-face conversation here right now. So yeah, digital can reach a billion or or we can talk with individuals. What's interesting is the idea of talking to a billion people is not a new concept. Billy Graham, 1995, preached one sermon that reached a billion people around the planet. It was bounced off of 47 satellites, translated in real time. Billy Graham literally preached to 20% of the world's population somewhere around 1995, preached a sermon on global missions. So the idea of broadcasting to a bunch of people is not new. The idea of hyper-focusing and talking to an individual, at that same time in 1995, I was paying a buck a minute uh, to talk to my long distance girlfriend, now wife. I was in Texas in college. She was in in Miami as a a high school student. And so being able to dialogue, Joel, I can talk with you. We can have intimate conversations. We can see each other. This is the advancement of new technology, the interaction, the engagement, the dialogue. And, And so realizing that, Hey, church planners, we don't need to look at digital as a way of broadcasting our services to reach a billion people. The strength is not reaching mass. The strength is engaging in dialoguing with individuals. It gets far more into equipping, which leads in towards disciple-making, doing this digitally to make it more effective. Even to build onto that cause, Seth Godin. Now, Seth uh, is one of the top marketing minds in, in America, thought leader in this space, very involved even at the, at the global scale. And, and, and so, by the way, he's not a Christian, and so I, I even hesitate with an Exponential here to use this example. But somebody asked Seth Godin, this is like back in, uh, I call it early 2020, hey, Seth, how do I get my message heard around the world? And, and Seth Godin said, a billion people are not going to listen to anything you have to say put that in culture to in context to Billy Graham 25 mm-hmm. years ago a billion people would listen to Billy Graham today you can't get a billion people to listen to anything this culture is so bifurcated it's so separated it's so isolated it's so uh, diversified that a billion people will never agree to it uh, and so the idea uh, Seth go and says get smaller groups hundred million probably still too big 10 million too big million maybe if you really want to get your message heard around the world tell the smallest number of people possible, get them to own an idea, craft it in a way that it is just for them, and when they own it, get them to tell somebody else. Mm. And and so the idea of being effective as as a church, uh, evangelism, um, is is centered around disciple making. This comes from the top marketing guy in America right now, Mm. who by the way is Jewish, he's not Christian. He's Mm -hmm. describing how Jesus, built the early church or created the foundation that would become the church in the book of Acts. And so for small churches who tell me, or church plants, hey Jeff, I I, I can't afford digital. I, I just want to focus on physical because I can't compete with the life ways, or with the life churches. I can't compete with all these gigas that, that are doing this stuff. Don't. Don't compete with it. If, if all you're doing is broadcast, this is this is going to be controversial. If the only thing you're doing is broadcasting your service digital, stop. Focus more on engagement. Figure out how to create disciples who create disciples. Disciple making, multiplication. Figure out how to do that digitally. By the way, we're, we're finding uh, Rob Wagner had a conversation with him just recently, Casey Underground. Hey, Jeff. Do you know that when we do discipleship digitally, our people actually wanna go through it quicker? Instead of just meeting once a week physically, our people are open to meeting twice a week. They wanna have these conversations Mm -hmm. more often because it's easier to engage in in digital space than it is in physical space. I don't have to commute. I don't have to worry about where my kids are. I can just jump in front of a camera and have a conversation. I've got the camera in my pocket. They wanna meet twice. They're able to go through this much quicker. And for people who are doing digital ministry, the opportunity to dialogue, to be transparent, to be open, uh, to be real, authentic, uh, digital seems to be as effective, if not more effective, than meeting in the physical space. So there's lots of reasons why engaging, equipping people in this digital space, but it's not masses, it's individuals, Mm. and then equipping those individuals with the ability to have these conversations with other individuals.
0: Yeah, that's, that's phenomenal. Um, so, so you mentioned uh, the KC Underground and how, for example, they're saying, okay, now, because we're making this more accessible digitally, I'm willing to not just do once a week, I'm willing to do this twice a week. What other stories, do you have any stories of church plans through Stadia in the last year that you've seen pull this off? That you've seen like like things that they innovated that digital allowed them to do that maybe they wouldn't have been able to do before in that way?
1: Yeah. Patrick Holden, Nouveau Church, uh, up, in, up in the Ohio area. Patrick lived in, I want to say, Michigan. When he really started building his church, uh, his key leadership was actually one, I think, was in California, one was on the East Coast. When he started recruiting and developing the team, the core team of Nouveau Church, none of them actually lived in the state of Ohio. Wow. They did it digitally. Mm. They, they developed this system where they would go into Facebook groups that were, were centered around in the city that they were they were wanting to launch in. I, I believe it's Columbus, Ohio. And, and they would go into dog walking groups of Columbus, mm. um, you know, just random groups that, that fit the persona of the type of person they were looking for. And within the Facebook groups, they, they would build relationships with people and through those relationships they'd start talking about hey we're wanting to move come into town do a chur- do a church they they would meet these people within the Facebook group and then te- they would use Facebook Messenger to have an isolated one-on-one conversation with them okay and and as a result of building those relationships they they reported back at some point i think they were getting 80% response rate on Facebook Messenger so wow. 80% of the time they would come back and say something. Now, sometimes it was, I'm not interested. Sometimes it was maybe something a little more vulgar, mm-hmm. vulgar, but at least 80% of the time they were involved in a conversation, there was engagement. And through this process, before he even moved to the state, he had a developed a core following in place. And now He's in the state. Now he's got that core group of following and and he's building his team out, getting ready to go through the launch period. And I think they're in a pre-launch season now. They haven't officially launched, but they're doing it in physical and digital at the same time. But once again, meeting people, doing it digitally, do it. There's ways Mm -hmm. to building those relationships, equipping them with information. You can do it in a digital space. That's, that's, that's what digital is designed to do.
0: Yeah, no, that's great. That's great. And I think, I think that leads to the next question I wanted to ask you is um, one trend that I noticed is at the beginning, everybody had to basically embrace digital because you had no other choice, right? And you're right. Like at the beginning, most people thought about digital mostly as recording your sermon, right? Recording your service and, and putting it out there. Some people did like Zoom groups at the beginning and, and that was a thing. And then kind of like, as the restrictions have lifted, you know, most churches are kind of like going back to, to do things in person. And one trend that I've noticed among some church planters particularly is, man, that was so much extra work that I had to do. I'm just so glad it's over and I can kind of like go back to doing things in person. And it's almost like there's this tendency, I, I feel to like drop it. So now, now that things are going back to normal, kind of like okay, digital work for that time because of the need that we have. Let's forget about it and let's go back to just status quo, how we're thinking, doing doing things before. And and my my personal perception, I would love to know your your thoughts on this. Is that I don't necessarily think that the digital shift, I mean, the digital shift was accelerated because of COVID, but I think that. It was going to happen eventually, like you're talking about having this meeting with, you know, these these big CEOs and big church leaders, like before we even knew it was going to happen this year. Um, so so my question to you would be, A, do you think this is true, that, 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 that things have fundamentally changed and we're not really going back to how things were before, whatever that means, but... How do you think now that church plants, if that's true, are going to have to include and consider the tools that the digital ministry offer them yeah. since the very beginning? And I love the story that you told because the story kind of like about that, right? Like a guy before he even launches, before he's living in the state, he's already using the tools uh, that digital gives him. Uh, so, so so how do you think that's that's going to change moving forward for church planters?
1: Yeah. The reality is something has to change. I mean, even if we just look at the church planting, what was it, 70% success rate over three years was the average um, of of church plants. Like a lot of them were, were struggling. In the season. I, in, in my own life, I can tell you of a friend of mine who moved down from another state down here to Miami, Florida to plant a church. He came down here, the first service, he had 250 people show up for a church plant here in Miami, Florida. Everybody was excited. This is great. Week two, he had 150. Week three, he had 75. Week four, he had 50. Six months down the road, eight months down the road, he shut down that church. It was 16 people. It was a house church at that point, and along the way, he had spent somewhere close to $300,000 mm. to to get this 15 people house church running. Uh, mm. Now, and and so there there there's faults and there's flaws in and how we're doing this pre pre COVID, even outside of the church planning realm. If we look at statistically how the churches is perceived and what that's been over the past, I don't know, 20 years, like things have been trending down for a while. Uh, we're, we're hearing uh, different reports coming out. B- Barna is talking about only 25% of Americans at this point are, are actively involved in church. That's a steady decline over the past decade. Uh, Pew has talked about, I believe, where we're seeing actually a 45 or no, excuse me, a 49% I- a engagement in organized religion, not just Christianity, but all religions here in in, in America, and, and so. Uh, and that's another steady decline. And, and so when, when, when I hear people, hey, we want to go back to the building, it was so great in the building. Honestly, it feels a little bit like, I, I don't know, this, forgive me out of context, the Israelites mm-hmm. who are saying, hey, let's go back to Egypt. Mm-hmm. Man, we were getting three square meals a day. Let's, it, was, it was great. This is the golden age. Let's, let's do that. Let's not wander here trying to get to the promised land. Let's go back to what we were comfortable with. No, I'm not saying that every church needs to be digital only, but I'm saying that there are strengths and there's opportunities to complement what's being done physically with what's happening in digital ministry. And so the idea of doing an intentional discipleship, an intentional multiplication strategy, which, by the way, was the weakness of the church, February 2020. Maybe your church was the one church that had it figured out, so forgive me if I'm overstating, but the majority of churches did not have a disciple-making, to not have a multiplication strategy in place. Uh, and, and so the ability to complement something like that digitally with what's happening in, in your physical space, if, if you are turning your back and saying, hey, I want to just go back to the building, and I've had these conversations, I, I want to cut off what's happening, you, we're, we're focusing on one method that is going to struggle. And, and we need to figure out how to adapt. And, and let's, yeah. let's even just talk about this, uh, evangelism. Uh, mm. The majority of our physical church services over the past decade, the purpose of the large gathering has been centered around evangelism, make it easy for people to come in. Some churches may be different, but the majority of churches are utilizing evangelism in context of the large gathering. 80% of people called to Christ, we know this from Barna 2020, 80% of people called to Christ are not interested in a physical or a digital worship service. Mm. If they have spiritual questions, they're not gonna go to the large gathering. They're not mm. interested. Where are they gonna go? Half of them are gonna go talk to their friends that they think mm. can answer those spiritual questions, so disciple is important. The other half of them are gonna go to Google. They're mm. gonna go to YouTube. Yeah. And they're gonna ask a computer how to answer the spiritual questions, what the answer to the spiritual questions are. And if our content is not set up in such a way on these, uh, in these systems so that the algorithms can find us, then we actually are not answering people's spiritual questions because we're doing it in a place where people are not looking for those answers.
0: Yeah, I remember uh, hearing, I think it was um, the guy I used to do uh, digital content for North Point. And he said that he basically went on YouTube and renamed every single sermon that they've ever posted there as a, as a how to answer to a spiritual question. And that that kind of like saw like their numbers kind of like multiply through the roof because that's what people are looking for. How to, you know, have a better marriage, how to, you know, like deal better with this issue and the issue. So I think that that's fascinating you're mentioning this. They mentioned this question. So, um, Imagine you're a church planter, right? And you're planting a church today. Um, How, are there any particular like things from what you've seen and the church plans you're talking to, like things that you would do digitally right now before you launch your church? And let's assume you're also going to have like a physical service and, and whatnot. What are digital things that you would do before you launch? And then maybe like, would that change in some way after you launch like is there because i mean in church planting like there are certain things that you do before that then change after you launch so how how what would you do before yeah. in pre-launch and then how would you change that after that
1: so if if i'm launching a physical church in a area um, mm. i'm i'm going to utilize digital a to meet people in the area like i mm. like i talked about engage in digital communities that are centered around that physical space like many of you if if you want to church planners if you want to connect it with people in the physical space you know you're going to go hang out at, at, a, at a starbucks and just have casual conversations you're going to go mm. walk around a park uh and you're you're going to meet people you'll probably have a puppy or something <laughs> that that you know, you know whatever you're going to do that in physical space do that in digital space and and so the ability to build relationships and engage with people digitally there's huge opportunities uh next door app uh facebook groups um uh, meet people with WhatsApp and create digital communities or meet people physically and create digital engagement points within WhatsApp or Facebook Messenger, plenty of opportunities to do that. Maybe even hyper-focusing ad campaigns in, in Facebook to, to meet within certain areas. And so you can utilize, um, even virally to do this, uh, YouTube, creating content on YouTube and making it public and making it aware that connects with people in those areas. Um, we use the term digital because we are physical beings and we are digital beings. And at this point I've got a physical address. I have a physical entity and I've got digital avatars. I've got profiles in Facebook mm-hmm. and Instagram and LinkedIn and Twitter and oh my gosh, so many different platforms at this point. And so planters, we need to be engaging and dialoguing and meeting people in yeah. those spaces, mm-hmm. whether we're pointing towards a physical expression of church or a digital. Now, as you're launching, which is a great question, and and beyond, the average response of a church planter is, I need to figure out how to stream our services. And there's a lot of effort into do I need to buy the right production gear, streaming, you know, and and, and I'm overextending myself on the audio, video, lighting side to make that look good. When in Mm -hmm. fact, you know, I mean, uh, Maybe you're a church of 50 people, 100 people, 150 people, and 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 honestly, the amount of money you're spending on the streaming aspects is not paying off long term. Mm. You know, it's it's funny. Uh, one of the things that we were talking about off air is I've, I've got a really nice rig, just kind of video mm. set up here. In, in the grand scheme of things, I probably spent a couple thousand dollars mm. uh, to be able to set this up. I'm in my guest bedroom. There, there's a yeah. there's a bed. Right on the other side of this wall is my bedroom. I, I've, mm-hmm. I've got a couple of lights up here. I got a camera. I got a mic. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I spent two K, but but at the end of this, this is a very simple setup to be able to pre-record, to mm-hmm. be able to stream, to be able to engage with people differently than what would be in the physical space. Mm. And so now I can craft things and communicate things differently digitally than maybe I would if I was standing up in a in a hotel ballroom or in a school. And it, and it looks different, it's a higher quality than what I could probably get if I was doing a service out of that school cafetorium, or even the church plant that I'm active with here in Miami, mm-hmm. where it's meeting in a theater. Mm-hmm. And, and so the ability to, to create stuff that, that looks good, but then at the same time, I'm able to point my words towards a digital audience mm-hmm. that may be looking for different connection points than what a physical audience is. Now, some people would say, oh, my gosh, now you're working with two different audiences. Maybe. What I really think I'm doing is diversifying. Mm -hmm. I'm able to work with a digital type of person. I'm able to do ministry with a digital type of person. I'm also able to do ministry with a physical person. And, And as we can try to connect those together, keep it separated, there's huge opportunities to now do more ministry with more people than if I was just singularly focusing on a physical only approach.
0: Mm. Well, let me just follow up to that. I love what you said that you're, um, you know, you're, you're, you're diversifying your audience, so to speak, right? Like you have like this digital type of audience that, that's focused on digital things. And then you also have your, your your physical audience. Beyond like the the technological differences in interaction, is there a different approach to both groups of people? Like, Like, do you whether that is like the, the types of conversations that you're having or, or the amount of like interaction, like do, do you, do you think of these two ministry pops, so to speak in different ways, or it just kind of like, it's the same thing and it's just like a different platform for interaction.
1: Yeah. Um, so it it depends upon the platform. And it's funny, I'm seeing a question popping up within chat uh, about different communications platforms that are out there. So if if you're doing ministry on a platform like facebook Mm -hmm. facebook is the great normalizer facebook brings everybody together into one now a a facebook type of person especially one that's doing ministry maybe they're not comfortable in physical space and and so they're wanting to uh to engage and to have conversations more digitally or within facebook groups maybe they're wanting to more hyper focus with Mm -hmm. people that are similar to them uh but there's so they're often created they create sub communities within the platform. And and now you're figuring out how to communicate with those types of people. Like it's funny. One of the craziest Facebook groups that I've ever seen is the comic sans font lovers of America. Uh, And and so like, I I don't really love the comic sans font. Uh, I think it's kind of comical, no pun intended, Uh, but it's, it's this approach of, okay, so these types of people, what are they, what are they looking for? How do they think? How can you communicate to them? It's, mm-hmm. it's an extreme level, but take, you know, video gamers. So many churches right now are trying to figure out how to do student ministry. What, are, what do a, a video gamer, what is a teenager doing online? They're, they're living in Twitch, mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're playing video games, they're hanging out on YouTube. What if we figured out how to utilize those platforms and figured out how to communicate to people in those platforms instead of trying to figure out how to broadcast our online services and how to make zoom more effective for online small groups for students. I mean, listen, they don't like online for school. What makes you think using the same platform is going to work for church? It's probably doing more damage than good. I, I can tell you guys who have created digital churches in Roblox that have the teenagers. A guy by the name of Daniel Heron created this thing when he was 11. 10 years later, he's 21, he's probably reached anywhere between 50 and 150,000 people wow. on this digital only platform. Mm. <coughs> so there, there's huge opportunities to connect, but you got to realize what are we looking for? What are these people looking for? Mm. If I'm trying to reach teenagers, I'm not doing it on Facebook. They're mm-hmm. not interested in Facebook. They've ran away from Facebook years ago. They're mm-hmm. running away from Instagram right now because all crazy adults like me are, are now moving from Facebook to Instagram. Yeah. They're going to they're going to TikTok. They're going to Twitch. Mm-hmm. They're going to um, to to Snapchat. Mm-hmm. And so now here's the challenge, church, that's out there. And even a planter, take advantage of this. Hey, you know what, Joel? If you said to me, Hey Jeff, what's the strategy for TikTok? How can my church utilize TikTok for the kingdom of God? I'm 43 years old. I have no clue. Confession hour here, because the answer is it's weird if I'm on TikTok. Like, you know, mm. who, why is this old guy with gray in his beard hanging out on TikTok? I, this guy doesn't need to be on TikTok. You know who knows who the answer to your question? Some 19-year-old kid, mm-hmm. somebody who's already on that platform. And, and the challenge for us as as churches, <coughs> excuse me, plants or otherwise. Disciple that 19-year-old kid. Yep. get him to the level spiritually where you can release him, and look that kid in the eye and say, "Go figure out how to be the church on TikTok." Yeah, because that's how we do that. Now, what's fascinating, church, is to do that. We have to release control. We've got to trust that 19-year-old kid to go do what we feel and what he feels like God or she feels like God has called him to do. Mm-hmm. Which means for for us to multiply into TikTok. We need to release control mm. of TikTok, disciple this guy so that we trust him spiritually and let him lead. Yeah. Could you imagine how we can – where we could multiply and what the church would look like if we stopped trying to control and instead released control, breathe into things spiritually but let others multiply and run into this? By the way, I'm not saying we're paying the TikTok guy. <laughs> let him do it on his own. Let him develop yeah. that out and grow it. Uh, and at some levels, money's gonna, money would kill the movement. Mm-hmm. Let him do it digitally. Let him see where God leads. Mm-hmm. Trust and verify, speak in the spiritually, and then release, mobilize and release and let them go. I
0: think it's fascinating. Um, I'm originally from Ecuador and the last presidential campaign just, just ended like the, the The guy that won, uh, one of the things that characterized his campaign is that he had like a strong TikTok presence, but it wasn't him. It was his son-in-law that's like in his mid twenties. And he was kind of like his spokesperson on TikTok and he would do all these things. And she became very popular with young people, even though he's like, you know, an older person banker guy that that you yeah. would never think is there. why because he's trusting the next generation to kind of like you know t- take up t- t- take up the, uh, the the mantle and do that I think it's fascinating because one of the interesting things about technology is that normally technology is kind of like the domain of the younger generations they're the ones that kind of like were digital natives and grew up in that and and, and that's also one of the things I've seen fascinating how this last year in a way like you know, there were kids that this was their life already. Like they were already on their phones all the time and engaging that. And it's kind of like became like an an, an easier thing to do. Um, I have a question for you. Um, So, and you mentioned a little bit about this earlier on, you told this story about, you know, how this church planter uh, started via Facebook to build community and connect with people even before moving to the place where he was uh, going to launch. And it's getting me thinking about uh, the future of, Of that element of church planting, thinking a little bit about like the people that we feel um, called to reach. Right. Uh, I'm I'm I lived in Annapolis, which is kind of like 45 minutes out of Washington, D.C. And my wife and I kind of like always had a pull towards d c and but but to be honest with you, a couple of the reasons involved in that one was it was close we had been coming here all the time we had friends here we knew the area like there was this natural connection which it's much harder to think, oh we like, you feel guys calling us to plant a church in San Francisco or something like on the other, on the other end of uh, of the country and in church planting part of one of the main questions that you ask before launching is, well, who is God calling you to reach? There's guys that very much since the very beginning says, guy is calling me to New Mexico, Guy is calling me to Iowa like I have this very clear sense of where guy is calling me. but I, I, and within that then there's also like these boundaries of like, okay, this is a specific geographic location. If guy' calling you to New Mexico, guy is probably not calling you to Maine right Like there's very like opposite into the spectrum places, uh, you know, if you were being called, say, to be like an urban church planter, that means probably you're not going to be like a suburban, you, you, you know what I'm saying? Like the, 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 the ge- geography imposes certain limits in what we do. Now, I, I don't think that's necessarily all bad. Like there are theological things that kind of help us like, you know, reach a specific people group. But one of the things about digital, I feel, is that it kind of blows some of those boundaries out the door. Uh, and, and and that can be good or bad. And I, I love how you were mentioning, okay, like you're not necessarily going to reach a billion people. Like you probably want to try to reach like the million people. Like it, it's not kind of like, because it's so big, doesn't mean that it means that now it's only you doing it, but like everybody else is. So it's like, there's a, a difference there. At the same time, do you think that digital changes or should change in any way? Like our vision of who we could reach? And how we could think about like our church plant going in from the beginning
1: yeah you you, you have to narrow it down and this glitz gets a little bit down to Seth Godin uh, what I said earlier look the largest nation on the planet if we looked at social media networks as nations would be Facebook there are billions of people that are on that, on that network and we, the church, we run the, run the risk of trying to reach everyone effectively gets us to reach no one. Mm. And, and so like there's, there's this challenge and what, what Seth Godin would say is you've got to craft the message so that it is for someone. Mm. So when we talk about, and what you're describing, once again, like if we're talking Patrick Holden, he is planning Nouveau Church in Columbus. He walked around Columbus, Ohio with a camera, kind of doing like the streets of New York type of thing, and this is where he fell in love with Columbus Ohio. Mm. His heart is for Columbus because he met the people. And I can can remember him saying over the course of a weekend, he and his wife walking around the streets of Columbus had a hundred conversations with people. And I'm pretty sure 98 to 99 of those 100 people were agnostics or atheists. I think there was only one or two Christians that he met within Columbus and his heart broke for those people. Mm. I think there's an opportunity for us in digital space. The mistake is, we want to be everything for everyone. Mm. Yes. Okay. God calls us to to be everything for everyone so that some may be reached. And there's a challenge to that. I'm not necessarily challenging the the biblical idea as much as to say, if we want to be effective in communicating that idea, we have to be something for someone. Mm. And and this is where we, we fine tune in. We find that passion. We find that love, not for the billions that are on Facebook, but for this niche, for this niche, if that's the way that you say it, for this smaller group of audience, and, and that we can fine tune the conversation for yeah. them and craft yeah. it in such a way. So if you're, if you're a physical church plant, and, and you're and you're one, you know, in stated we talk about the 99 and then the one, the 99 are the Christians we have, but we're going after that one, that one lost sheep, and and focusing on that. And so if the one that you're focusing on is young professionals within columbus ohio or or maybe it's uh new mexico and you're going after your one is really the hispanic culture uh isolated listen i i I can tell you i've we've got a planner we're working with with stadia who's a first generation uh nigerian refugee and and the church that he's developing the one he's going after are other nigerian refugees displaced nigerians globally Mm -hmm. incredible opportunities find your one Mm. in digital space Mm -hmm. and and go after that well jeff now you're now you're isolating and the church needs to be more than here's the deal yeah focus on let's use the nigerian refugees you're right i want to go my in my institutional voice my church is going after nigerian refugees And I'm going to teach these Nigerian refugees how to share the love of Christ with others. Contextually in such a way that it makes sense because a a first-generation Nigerian is going to understand Christ and the gospel maybe differently, and it's a different method than maybe something here in the U.S. And once that person understands Christ, hey, who in your life, who in your circle of influence do you need to share Christ with? And as we're multiplying this through, this isn't rocket science, the institutional one quickly maybe starts to get blurred by individual ones Mm -hmm. and and as our people are released and coming out. So yeah, we really want to focus on Nigerian refugees, or we want to be a church not of video gamers, but for video gamers, or vice versa, because now it starts to get... Blurred, because we've got video gamers who are out there. We've got young professionals who are out there. We've got the Comic Sans font lovers of America out there. And you know what? Man, if, if that non-Comic Sans person in your life needs Christ, share Christ with them. Yeah. Bring them in. And, and so it starts to get blurred. But when it starts, it's got to be for someone. Seth Godin, yeah. and I'm not making Seth Godin biblical here. Please hear me. But the idea of crafting it in such a way that someone can own it and tell someone else. It's gotta be simplified in the beginning in such a way that it's gonna be reproducible. That right. is how the church wins digitally. Not by trying to broadcast the message to billions. Billions mm. will not hear us. This is not yeah. 1995 and you pastor, are not Billy Graham. We've gotta take a different approach here.
0: Yeah, no, that's great. So kind of like a follow up question on that. Uh, one of the things I love about what you're sharing with us today is that one of the main critiques that I've heard on digital ministry is how um, sort of like depersonalizing, dehumanizing. Maybe it's not like too much a strong of a word, but basically like you know alien, it's alienating, right? It's like a guy talking to a camera and then kind of like trying to broadcast a message. You're talking about the opposite of that. You're talking about making relationships, talking one on one with people, meeting people were there. That's great. And on one hand, I, ha- I my natural question would be, well, is there a moment or how do you see those relationships that are Digital only eventually becoming you know in person physical relationships is there kind of like a process of people that you're in Columbus, Ohio and you're what maybe you're going kind of engaging with the church online and at some point is is it always a goal that at some point that person will step into your service and connect with your people and you know be part of like physical community but on the other hand of that one of the things I also saw during this past year is um basically what we would call like digital churches. That people that were like we don't have a building where we're like like we're trying to reach video gamers all over the world. But it's specifically to video gamers, we're kinda of like if you're on Twitch, you can connect with us, right? And and then like in person meetings would look different than that so so i guess on on one hand how do you see that is there always this move from digital to physical in terms of like connecting with people but then also maybe if you want to share a little bit briefly what are your thoughts on like digital only churches are are these kind of like a long-term thing or do you think that at some point they have to transition to some sort of like in-person physical community
1: yeah um i look at digital community and I believe that digital community is a community worthy of a church. Mm-hmm. I think that there are people on this planet that can look at digital community. They see that's where their friends are. That's where their their community is. Can these people engage in physical space? Yes. Can these people engage in digital space at that same level, if even more effectively? Yes. Mm. Uh, I've I've had conversations with people on zoom where i'm staring them eye to eye and it's entirely awkward mm-hmm. i go into virtual reality with them where they're more comfortable mm-hmm. because that's where they spend their time and it's night and day mm-hmm. like it's a completely separate person because they're more comfortable than in their environment than even listen am i saying that it's it's is there maybe a psychological issue is there maybe a is, is there a tick or is there something that maybe needs to be looked at and addressed maybe but i think there's there's opposites towards that i think that we just look at community different in digital space. Now, is the year is 2021? Is everybody on the planet going to buy into that idea? No. Is enough people going to buy into that to make it okay, to make it worthwhile, to make it effective for us as a church? Yes. Mm. Uh, so, am I advising you, church out there, physical pastor, to 100% change your church to a digital-only expression? No, I'm not. I'm not doing that. Not in 2021. Uh, what I would say is I think that the pendulum is shifting and it's going to continue to shift. The pendulum, mm-hmm. by the way, didn't start with COVID. The pendulum was already shifting pre-COVID. COVID just accelerated it. And, and I think we're coming more and more to this idea of acceptance. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, for now, I think it's cool. It's cutting edge. I think there's going to be a time where it's going to be cool. And I think there's going to be a time where it's far more cutting, uh, commonplace. It's going to be far more accepted in, 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 the, in the years to come. The challenge for for you pastor out there maybe there's a maybe there's somebody I mean, we we're talking about this 19 year old kid doing the TikTok thing maybe you've got somebody in your church that would run into this that would mm-hmm. love to be challenged to do something like this in a digital only expression maybe you've got somebody like daniel heron that is is a, is a roblox kid mm-hmm. uh that that's passionate about it shoot my own kids uh, my, my son's playing on honest to god he's playing Roblox right now he's probably been doing it for five hours he woke up about seven o'clock mm. and, and so m- maybe there's an opportunity to disciple and challenge kids people to utilize digital tools in ways that don't work in physical space maybe there are people disconnected in serving disconnected in ministry in physical space that would be more apt to doing things digitally what if your church did an experiment tried something in tiktok in twitch in roblox in minecraft in i i you know insert maybe you want to reach mexican refuge i don't know but mm-hmm. but the whole thing is there's an opportunity to do something different than going back to the building and, and i think that's the paramount thing There, giga churches are hugely effective in korea pre-covid some of the largest churches in the planet were in korea micro churches house churches churches under palm trees are hugely effective in india the amount mm. of multiplication that we see of churches at the micro level has, has revolution i have friends that have been kicked out of india their passports removed because they were so effective in planting mm. micro churches and, and so but to say that a giga church is more effective than a micro church or that one model is better than the other is crazy yeah we're not we're not god we don't have that authority I listen That'll be the first question I ask. God, what did you actually envision the church to be? Mm -hmm. Where did we get it wrong? But while we don't know, let's take advantage of every option we have, even if that means, hey, you know what? Yeah, let's be the church in digital space. Let's use it not to broadcast our message, not to create consumers of content, but to relationally develop disciple makers who are on mission to create other disciple makers who are on mission to create other disciple makers yeah that's the challenge for where we are today
0: no that's great i mean i think that part of what i hear you say if i if i understand it correctly is that uh, it, it feels like for the longest time the church thought of digital as means to an end right like we want you to watch your service online so that you come to our physical service so that then you can you know, accept Jesus and then you can be a disciple and then you can be equipped and sent out and whatever. Like however how your 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 framework of 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 discipleship was. And, and digital was kind of like seen as, like as a front door. I think that at some point uh the, the guys from uh cross pointing national call it like the foyer like they say like the foyer yeah. of the church is now online. Well here's a say, correct me for it's a little bit different. I think that you think that digital is it can be seen as very much a valid platform for evangelism yeah. and for discipleship and for sending that you're not, we shouldn't just be kind of like, okay, we're going to play with you a little bit here until you're ready for like the big thing. Like you can very much experience God and be used by God in this space of sta- of yeah.
1: digital. You know, I, I've seen, I've seen people who would never go to a physical building, accept Christ, invite Christ into their lives and, and, and be restored. I, I've, I, and so to say that I'm trying to drive people to a physical building devalues the life change mm-hmm. that we're already seeing happen in digital only space. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I would even go back, uh, Henry Blackaby, Experiencing God, in 1977, this quote was actually written before I was born. Um, look and see where God is moving and, and pray about joining him in his work. There's huge opportunities in digital space. I can tell you that this the story of Daniel real quick. Daniel, 24 years old, his wife just left him, uh, cheated on him with Daniel's best friend. Honest to God, this happened. Uh, Daniel's 24. He's he's a gamer. He likes playing board games. He listens to a podcast, and through that podcast, he gets connected with Lux Digital Church. Mark Lutz is the lead pastor. One of one of Stadia's planners for this. Now, Daniel. Um, comes, checks out this church service, hears Mark preach the gospel in Twitch, uh, a, a primarily a video game uh, platform for, for streaming or for streamers and, and, and through this message Daniel starts asking spiritual questions about what's going on in his life it's been 10 years since Daniel set foot in a physical building on his bookshelf there is a holy Bible there is a satanic verses and there is a Koran this guy is spiritually searching and looking for something and through a service done on twitch by a church that exists in digital only space a message that was crafted specifically aimed at gamers Daniel accepted Christ the week, a bef- couple days before Easter Sunday, 2021. Wow. And now that's Daniel incredible. is in Discord, another platform being discipled, where he's being taught to share his story so that others can hear what's going on in Daniel's life. None of this has anything to do with a physical building. It's been 10 years since mm-hmm. Daniel actually went into the physical building. And his exact quote was I'm, God was shoved down my throat. 10 years ago, and I'm not sure I'm interested in in this. That was an early reference by, by Daniel. The reality was Daniel's not mad at us, or not mad at God. He was mad at people and it took a digital expression to break that down and rather than feeding him now into a physical environment where there may be a disconnect let's use the digital environment Mm. to complete the job and then to release a gamer out to reach more gamers by the Mm. way video gamers if we looked at them as a people group they would be one of the largest unreached people groups here in America. ASL community deaf would actually be number two, which once again is hard to gather into physical space. But if we could figure out how to be a digital church in American Sign Language and Mm. figure out how to use this technology to connect with these displaced people across the country, maybe even the planet, oh my gosh. The ministry opportunities that are available, it doesn't compete with the physical building, it complements. There are things that you can do digitally that you cannot do physically. Mm. Let's engage that and and work towards that point.
0: That's incredible, man. I, I think that's like the perfect point to kind of like uh, close for interview, but I did want to leave a few minutes to just take some questions from the audience. I, I think that th- there's a feature that you guys have that you can send in questions and those questions will be sent over to us. And I have a question here that I actually was one of my questions. I kind of like uh, w- when I use this one. This is what it says. It says, um, our church is engaging more and more in digital spaces. Do you have any advice about things we should be careful of? Any common mistakes people make without realizing it?
1: Yeah, I I love the fact that you said engaging uh, in in that question and and let me define it. it, Engaging is a two-way conversation. Right now, I am engaging with Joel. Um, If I'm not talking with Joel uh, and and like Joel's not in and and I'm doing like a lecture, a, a sermon, like your typical Sunday morning, The preacher is not engaging with people. He's not engaging in a two-way conversation. He's having a one-way broadcast. And so let's define it. Let's say it's a two-way conversation. Maybe that's chat. Maybe that's feeding into a a Discord or a Slack group. Maybe that's a a Facebook group where you can have two-way conversations where you can meet people and build those relationships. But that's the challenge of engagement. Get to that level. Mm -hmm. If somebody... if somebody gives you a Facebook thumbs up emoji, if they give you the heart emoji, if they give you the little care bear with the hug thing, whatever they give you, that is the first step of engagement. That's not the last step. You don't celebrate, hey, we just did a Facebook broadcast and we've got 57,000 views and, Mm -hmm. and 800 people gave us some emoji, I'm done. That's actually where you start, that's not the finish line because now all those Care Bear emojis, all those heart emojis, mm. get on Facebook Messenger, have a conversation with them, mm. honest to God. I mean, that, that, that's what Patrick Holden did, and, and I learned from him. Oh my gosh, you, you actually like, reached out with all of these people and, and had a conversation? And the answer is yes. That doesn't, it's not money, it's not even time, and that's something a volunteer can do. Mm. Hey, I'm, I'm I'm with Nouveau Church, uh, we saw you were at the service this most recently, that's that's awesome, glad you were able to be part of our community as, as we, you know, celebrated God through whatever. Hey, let me ask you, how can I pray for you? Mm. 80% people replied something to that request. Sometimes it's with a prayer request, sometimes it's gen- genuine, sometimes it's F you, okay? But... They responded 80% of the time. This is where engagement begins. Gotcha. You know, and I, 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 I threw in the link. And there's a blog on John six, or on my, on my website, the Church Digital. There's a blog on, on John six, where Jesus is actually feeding. It's one of the feedings of the thousands. There's a bunch of pastors in the room. I don't need to preach this. Jesus. Uh, is doing signs and wonders he's meeting physical needs uh people are following him that's the religious hanger-ons it's the consumers they're literally consuming dinner when jesus feeds them mm. the next everybody goes to sleep wakes up in the morning jesus and the disciples take off everybody else wakes up they want to consume more they go follow jesus find jesus because they literally want brunch mm. jesus doesn't meet physical needs jesus isn't interested in followers at this point He starts engaging in the two-way conversations. Eat my flesh, drink my blood. As a result, and actually says this, I believe in John 66, people were offended. Jesus replies, am I offending you? People started to leave. Disciples, even some of the disciples left Jesus at, at that moment. What was interesting is Jesus knew it wasn't about reach. It was about engagement. It wasn't about one way collecting followers, collecting consumers. It was about two way. I've got to figure out how to activate these people. And I may have 10,000 people watching a stream, but what I really need is 200 people that are excited enough about Jesus to tell somebody else about Jesus. And so with that, I'm now engaging and filtering it down. And what Jesus did in John 6 was filtered out the crowd to the place that he had what would eventually become the core foundation of the church, he got to the place where he developed that following that in the book of Acts would be the one that were dispersed with in in Acts 8 with the uh, persecution of Stephen. Mm. And and so it's not a matter of collecting a following of consumers, it's getting people to uh, online to offline theory. The gospel that we hear in our online world, it has to influence our offline relationships Mm. Otherwise, all we are doing is consuming a product. We, mm-hmm. the church, I, I don't want somebody listening to my podcast just because, oh great, I got another follower, I've got another fanboy. It's, it's not about that. Mm-hmm. I need to get that person activated in physical space, in digital space. Mm-hmm. And that's the standard that we should be doing with the, the engagement. Is how to do that effectively for your church, with that type of culture of person that you're doing? Experiment, mm-hmm. try. Try different things, but you need to be building relationships. I've got digital pastors, hey Jeff, it's literally in my job description to know 200 people. Uh, and so that's what we're, we're looking at doing. It's, it's meeting 200 people.
0: Gotcha, that's awesome. Hey, uh, we were kind of like uh, getting close to the end of our time. So I wanted to give you just uh, maybe a minute or so. How can people find you? Where can people connect with you? And do you have anything big coming up that, that you would want our audience to, to know about when it comes to digital stuff?
1: Yeah, that's, that's awesome. In two minutes, I'm literally jumping over on Facebook and I'm doing a live stream talking about multiple models, why your church needs to be doing being a multimodal church. So if you want to go to Facebook.com slash The Church Digital, Facebook.com slash The Church Digital, I'll be there literally. I'm going to hang up from here and go over there. Uh, resources uh, The Church.digital. Uh, is, ton- is has a pact with free resources, blogs, podcasts, towards that. We help churches at Stadia, we help churches go fidgetal, uh, understand this relationship, physical and digital, work through a lot of the stuff that we just talked through. StadiaChurchPlanning.org uh, slash fidgetal, P-H-Y-G-I-T-A-L. Church planters, uh, like from church planters, digital only, physical, established churches, it's all there so love this love this conversation and thank you joel glad to have you on by the way i could totally argue baby yoda later maybe we'll do another (laughs) but but thank you for this
0: no uh jeff thank you so much hey before oh see I have a little Hot Wheels, baby Yoda, on my desk. There you go. At all times. <laughs> yeah. Hey. Uh, first of all, thank you, Jeff, for being with us, for sharing all your wisdom. We really, really appreciate your time and appreciate you know the ministry that God is doing through you, helping the church in America. And honestly, cannot kind of get like around the world to move into this new space. Before uh, we end the webcast, we want to remind you um, we have coming up this fall exponential regional conferences. I Think we have a slide with all of the conferences coming up. We have one in uh, near, near where I am here. In Washington D.C. on September 13th at New Life Christian Church. I'll be there. But, you know, you have a number of conferences to choose from. We'd love to uh, go on the website, raise her for one of them. And uh, we hope to uh, see you soon in one of those. And with that, uh, you know, I'll end our time. Thank you guys so very much for tuning in and being a part of this. And we'll see you again in a couple weeks.